Hello and welcome to another episode of Always an Escrow with Colby Burchin and Serena Appel. Hello, Colby. Hello, Serena. I am so excited. I am inspired and my kids and and my husband are in for a delicious treat tonight because we are speaking with Beth Lipton, a Brooklyn-based recipe developer, freelance food and wellness writer, and cookbook author. She's a graduate of the Natural Gourmet Institute's Health Supportive Culinary School and studied health coaching at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Her recipes and writing have appeared in Clean Eating, Health Magazine, Paleo Magazine, FoodNetwork.com, Travel and Leisure, Epicurious, Furthermore, Clean Plates, and many more. Please welcome to the show, Beth Lipton. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm truly, truly so honored. I, I First of all, I'm a big foodie, and I'm so honored you're on our show because I've been watching your recipes, and they're delicious. So Thank welcome you. to the show. Thank you so much. So let's get right into it. Can you tell us about your background in food and wellness and your amazing cookbook, Carnivorish? Sure. So I've been at the intersection of journalism and food and health for 15 plus years. Um, I've always been interested in food. I've always been interested in health um, since I was a kid. And I studied journalism in school and went to culinary school. actually went twice the first time I studied pastry many years ago. And then more recently, I went to Natural Gourmet. That was about 10 years ago. And um, I was the food director at Health Magazine for several years. And all the work I've done since then has been, you know, for all the publications you mentioned, and also for some brands as well, has been developing recipes and writing about food and, and other wellness topics. Because I think one of the things that has I think become more um, more clear to all of us in the wellness world is that it's not just food, it's not just exercise, it's not just sleep, it's all of those things put together because we're whole people. So I've gotten a chance to write about other wellness topics as well as you know food and nutrition. So it's I mean I'm just so privileged and um, you know love the work that I do. And we love the work you're doing. You really, Colby, you can find her. I mean, it's a quick search. I mean, I get inspired all the time by these recipes. I love what you're doing with Butcher Box. I saw a recipe for a Philly cheesesteak skillet, which is on the menu for tonight. And <laughs> I can't, and it seems also pretty easy to do. So um, I'm excited. That's part of it to me is that part of part of wellness is not having so much stress. Right. So and I feel like a lot of times you see recipes and it's like it's so easy, but then it has like 14 ingredients and takes an hour and a half and like no one's got time for that. So um, actually, you know, you mentioned my book, Carnivorish. That was a lot of the recipes that are in that book. They're all animal protein forward, um, but it's carnivore-ish, not carnivore. So there's vegetables and desserts and cocktails and all kinds of things in the book. 
Um, but most of those recipes are designed to be kind of every day. There are a few that are kind of like a little more involved for holiday meals and things like that. Um, so the book is really meant to kind of cover your whole life. But I would say the majority, the vast majority are things you could make, you know, on a Tuesday. So what are your pantry and cooking essentials, would you say? Well, high quality animal protein for me is essential. And I always have, you know, a freezer and refrigerator and pantry full of it. Um, I really, I mean, I really like um, any kind of, I mean, really any kind of animal protein, but my favorites really are fish, um, you know, meat and, um, and things like lamb and, um, and game meats and things like that. So we eat a lot of fish around here. Um, and we eat poultry as well, but it's sort of not, not as much in the forefront as meat and fish. Um, and then I keep stuff in the pantry too, along those lines. I mean, I use canned salmon and canned crab meat and canned tuna all the time too. Um, and then aside from that, um, I, you know, I use a lot of high quality cooking fats like avocado oil and extra virgin olive oil. Um, I use butter, of course, um, coconut oil. Um, I love spices and condiments and have a ton of them, <laughs> like name a condiment or a spice and it's here. Um, and then, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, we always have fresh vegetables. Um, we always have fruit in the fridge, um, and, you know, it's pretty, I mean, I think the way that I cook is it's, I always say like, it's not very chefy. Um, you know, like I, I'm not snooty about food at all. And I, I'm a busy working mom, just like so many of the people who, you know, come to me for recipes. So I feel like you'd look through my fridge, you might find a couple of things that are unfamiliar, but for the most part, it's probably a lot of the same stuff that you use. Okay, so I've flipped through many of your recipes, and I, I love kind of a few of the surprises that you have, um, kind of that that peek through some of the the recipes that you're you're doing. That you know whether it's it's a sweet dessert or a savory dish. So, what are some surprising ingredients? It could be herbs, it could be anything that you cook with and bake with that may shock our audience. Well, one of, the, one of the things, you know, I just said, like, I'm not very chefy in my cooking. So one of the ingredients that I use a lot that I feel like is one of those unchefy ingredients is, um, is garlic powder. Um, mm. I'm a huge fan of garlic powder. I use it all the time. It's not to say I don't use fresh garlic because I use a ton of that too. Um, but I really like using garlic powder and things like meatballs where you don't want necessarily want the texture, um, or that sharp flavor from kind of less cooked garlic, um, shocking ingredients. I mean, I, I love fish sauce, um, you know, Asian fish sauce and I use it, I, I will throw it into things all the time. So, um, you know, it has that umami flavor, that sort of, um, that sort of savory quality that sometimes if you taste something, you know, if you're ever balancing like a sauce or dressing, you're always trying to balance sweet, salt, and acid. But sometimes you do that and it's still missing something like a bottom note. And that to me is when it's missing umami. And sometimes I'll throw a splash of fish sauce into it, even if it's like, a, you know, ranch dressing. <laughs> um, mm. So that's something, yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, and also umami seasoning, like Trader Joe's and all these other places sell just umami seasoning, which is mushroom based. Um, and I use that all the time. Um, so I don't know if that's shocking, but that is like a secret thing, not secret, but like a lesser known thing that I think um, is a great thing to keep on hand. Um, I've been known to throw things like avocados into brownies, and I do like to bake sometimes with avocados. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like um, it's just a question of kind of keeping your mind open and thinking about alternate ways to use things. So like with the brownies with avocado, they don't taste like avocado. Um, I promise. Cause my kid hates avocado and she likes these brownies. Um, but it's, you know, avocado is a fat. So what do we normally put in brownies? You know, it's usually butter, or if it's a vegan brownie, maybe you'd use an oil. Um, so it's just a, a different type of fat. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a question of kind of keeping your mind open to using even everyday ingredients in different types of ways. It's so fascinating. I, I'm I'm drawn to this conversation because I love cooking and I love all the ingredients you said. That's um, I wouldn't even think to put avocado in a brownie. I'll send you <laughs> I the recipe. Yeah, I want I want to try it. It's so, in the frosting too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where do you draw your inspiration from for all your recipes? I mean, I, I'm just, I'm obsessed with food. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, it's sometimes it, I'll eat, I'll eat something in a restaurant or I'll try a product and the flavor or the mix of ingredients will inspire me. Or I go to the farmer's market in Fort Greene Park every Saturday morning. And sometimes there are things there that I, I just hadn't thought about or, you know, that are new to me. Um, and that will inspire me. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, sometimes I'll, I, I will literally be like sitting around thinking about food (laughs) and something or I'll crave something that I haven't had in a while. And sometimes because of the way I eat, you know, I I don't eat, I really don't eat grain except for rice. Um, so, and, and I don't really eat beans. They just don't agree with me. So I often have to think of, you know, if I think of something I've had in the past and I want it now, I often have to rework it in order to make it work for the way I eat currently. So that will sort of inspire me to, um, to think of something, or if I'm working with a client, I do a lot of like one-on-one cooking classes and often it's somebody with a new diagnosis. So I have to kind of figure out what to, you know, how to help them make something that they want to make that may use new ingredients for them. Um, but I think it's kind of like, I always think of like songwriters, like I, I can't, I love music and I cannot imagine how a person writes a song. I think it's the same thing for me with recipes. Like sometimes an idea will just pop into my head. Um, and then it's just a matter of kind of like bringing it to life. Right. And I want to hear about bringing it to life. We want to know about a typical day in the life of a recipe developer. And then also kind of tell us about that, that time when you were the food director at health too. kind of like, what, what was a day like? What, what's a day like now? Because I freelance, my days are all so different, but generally, um, I do, I mean, if I'm working on recipes, um, a lot of it is the fun part, which is the sort of cooking and experimenting part. But some of it is like the shopping and the doing of dishes multiple times and that sort of thing. Whenever someone says your job is so fun, I'm like, it is as long as you don't mind grocery shopping and doing dishes. Um, but so, um, I mean, to, to create a recipe, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, I, I, my process is that I write down the whole recipe first. I don't think there's like a right or wrong way to do it. I know some people do it differently, but I like to write down the whole recipe first. So I have something to draw from and then, um, and then I'll make notes along the way as I change things. Um, so there's a lot of planning in terms of like having all the ingredients and making sure everything is at the right temperature. And I have all the, you know, pots and pans and whatever else I need. I don't, I try not to use anything fancy because I assume that the home cook, average home cook just has regular stuff. So I use regular stuff. Um, and then it's just a question of like, you know, doing the, doing the actual recipe, 
But, you know, unlike cooking someone else's recipe, when you're developing, there's a lot of like measuring and weighing. I weigh all my ingredients. If I tell you that the onions are a quarter of an inch, I have a ruler <laughs> and I have measured that the, <laughs> that it's a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's precise. a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very precise. I feel right. like that's the only way that, you know, I can ensure that a recipe is going to work for someone else is yeah. if I've made sure. Um, so I'm timing all the steps and yeah, just trying to like troubleshoot as I go. And it usually takes more than one round before a recipe comes together. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like taking notes and measuring and weighing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course, um, we eat the food that I, that I cook unless it's a disaster, which doesn't usually happen, but Sometimes the first round isn't so great, but my family, you know, they're good sports. <laughs> um, and I have neighbors who help out too. Ooh, um, lucky. And, then, <laughs> and then writing, um, I do a lot of writing. I do some editing. Um, I also do product testing for Food Network and Epicurious. So sometimes I'm testing kitchen products or other products as well. And that's really fun. Um so yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's really varied. I mean, working at a magazine is really different because, um, when I was at health, I was on the print magazine as well as health.com. Um, so it was much more, um, you know, I was on a team and it was much more sort of structured around what stories had to be and when, and the recipe development schedule had to be, um, you know, very sort of planned out in advance and we had photo shoots. And so it was very different. Um, now I'm, you know, I'm the person developing, so it's, um, it's really different. It's shifted. It's a different yeah. dynamic. Yeah. In- very yeah. interesting. So can you share a, and maybe into l- your life in the paleo friendly meals that you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was one of those people when the paleo diet first came out, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you know, we're not living in the paleolithic era and who knows what people ate back then. And like, I was such a naysayer. And then I did an elimination diet, um, separately, um, just kind of as it was at a time like eight or nine years ago when elimination diets were kind of like in vogue. And I did one, um, really for work, for health. And just to kind of see what happened, I really had no expectation that anything, and it was already what I considered to be a healthy eater. Um, I ate very little meat. I ate mostly vegetables. I ate a lot of beans and grains and things like that. And I had decades of stomach problems that no one could ever seem to solve. And I did this elimination diet and within two days, I'm not exaggerating, within two days, my stomach was healed. Like I, no symptoms at all. And I had never experienced that before. And I had such insane amounts of energy. I mean, I'm always like sort of annoyingly energetic, but this, I felt like the energizer bunny, like put me outside and I would just run. (laughs) Um, So I was like, oh, okay, there really is something to this. And I've completed the elimination part and then the the reintroduction part and found that for me, it was really grains and beans and sugar um, and that I really needed to limit dairy. So I did. And I'm not saying this is right for everybody. I feel like everybody has to find their own um, their own path and find what works for them. But for me, it was truly, truly life changing. And so I've been very lucky that I've been able to do a lot of work in within the sort of, you know, paleo primal community and for those publications, because that's how I like to cook and eat myself. So it's worked out really nicely. Um, but, you know, it's it's it really to me, it really illustrated how much our diet can affect 
our overall health and our uh, really our lives overall. When you're working with private clients, do you encourage them to do an elimination diet or anything like that? I mean, I'm, I don't do much coaching anymore. I mostly do cooking classes. Mm-hmm. So if they are working with a practitioner who, you know, puts them on an elimination diet, I can help them with it. But I'm, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a RD or a doctor, so I don't really put people on any sort of diet. Right. Um, but You'll I receive will, them afterwards. Yeah. Or during if they want help while yeah. they're going through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and for people who are curious and wondering about elimination diets, you know, you can always do like a whole 30 or something like that, where there's tons of support and guidance and, um, you know, lots of community. So you're not just doing it by yourself. Great. That's a great way to begin. Great. Okay. So I'm just, you know, thinking about my family and, and you have a family too, and Colby's young family at home. We, we want to know about some easy recipes for family friendly meals. Any, anything you could just throw at us that, um, we can add to our menu planning for this week and next. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is to take the pressure off yourself, right? Like I think with, I mean, I love Instagram and everything, but I feel like with Instagram and TikTok, people see these meals that are very elaborate and like beautifully plated and they have tons of elements and they think that's what they have to do every night. And it isn't like really your meal does not have to be something that you take a picture of every night. Um, so I say, keep it really keep it simple. Um, so if you have an air fryer, like throw some chicken thighs in an air fryer. You literally only need salt and pepper. (laughs) Like you don't need any other seasoning. Um, And you throw it in the air fryer until it's cooked through and the skin is crisp and you're done. Um, Or, um, you know, getting, taking some ground beef and cooking it in a skillet um, and adding some vegetables to it and garlic powder, because I always use garlic powder, but like garlic powder and oregano or like whatever seasonings you happen to like. Um, and have that over rice or cauliflower rice. Um, one of my favorite things to do is I make pizza out of, um, mushroom caps. So I'll take like a portobello mushroom. I'm obsessed with pizza, but of course I can't really have normal pizza anymore. So I'll take a portobello mushroom cap and I'll scrape it out and, you know, roast it for 10 minutes and then fill it with sauce and, um, either regular cheese or I'll use, um, there's a brand of non-dairy cheese called Miyoko's Kitchen. She has like a, a mozzarella and it's amazing. It melts and it's delicious and it shreds really nicely. Um, so I'll put like some sausage and some of that cheese on it and bake it. And it's, the, I mean, that was a long description, but it's literally ready in like 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, I would say like make it easy for yourself and don't worry about, you know, having to have all the elements. And then if there's a task in the kitchen that you hate, like outsource it, you know, it doesn't matter. So like, let's say, let's say you hate chopping onions. You can buy frozen chopped onions or buy pre-chopped onions. Like there's nothing wrong with doing that. So I would say, take a little time to think about those tasks that you really just don't enjoy and figure out a way to outsource them. Um, I, I tend to buy a lot of ginger and then you know, I'll throw it in the freezer and I'll forget about it. So I just found a Trader Joe's, they have like pre, um, like pre shredded ginger in these little tubs. Um, and they're measured out perfectly for one teaspoon. I started buying them. So I don't waste ginger anymore. Like those shortcuts I think can be so helpful. And for some reason, we all think we have to do every little thing from scratch and you just don't. Yeah. 
taking the stress out of it. Love this. It's really important. I said this earlier, but like part of good health is not feeling stress and having to cook for your family night after night after night can be very stressful. So whatever you need to do to take the pressure off yourself, absolutely do it. That's part of healthy eating is being able to sit down at the table with your family and go, you know, and just like enjoy what you're eating. And if you've had to go crazy shopping and rushing around and, you know, trying to cook a million things, then it's not going to be that nice, relaxed experience for you. I really think that families really need to hear that because that's so true. It, you know, you, you get so stressed about everything. Um, so talking about stress, the holidays are approaching. What are some tips for making healthier dishes and desserts? Because I know, you know, we pack on the pounds during the holidays. I know I do. Um, do, you, do you have any tips for our, our, our audience? I do. Um, so for the holidays themselves, and I'm talking about the holiday days themselves, don't make something healthy. Make what you want. I mean, if what you want is something healthy, great. But if it isn't, if you like, if what you love is your grandma's sweet potato pie or whatever it is, just have it on that day. But then that's it. Like on the day, have it, enjoy the hell out of it. Like enjoy every single bite. And then that's it. It's not like, like Thanksgiving is not five days long, right? (laughs) Thanksgiving is one day and and okay. Leftovers the next day, but then that's it. Um, So I think it's really important that, you know, again, part of healthy eating is, um, is that it has to be part of your life, right? It has to fit into your life, not the other way around. So, um, so there are days when you're not going to eat the healthiest food, but is it is the healthiest choice to not eat the healthiest food, right? Because you're at the Thanksgiving table. Maybe you're not the host, maybe you're at someone else's house and there's all this food that you wouldn't normally eat. Just forget about it. Just have it and just enjoy it. And that's the healthiest choice because there's no stress. Um, and then for you know, Christmas and New Year's and all of that, I mean, I think, you know, taking the time to enjoy the, the times that you're celebrating is great and absolutely essential. But then the rest of the times kind of do the best you can to take care of yourself. So instead of thinking of it as like, oh, I have to deprive myself the rest of the time so I don't gain weight. I would think of it more like I want to take really good care of myself the times that I'm not at the party so that I can show up to the party feeling great. You know, my skin, my eyes, like everything looks good. I feel good. I show up as my best self. And the way that happens is you get enough sleep, drink plenty of water, you eat healthy food, you take care of yourself. um, And then you can go to the party and you can have the glass of champagne or have the, you know, whatever, whatever it is for you. Um, So I think balance is really the most important thing for the holidays and not treating it like two solid months of indulge fest because it it doesn't even really feel that good while you're doing it. Um, So pick your moments. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. (laughs) Um, Okay. so what is on the horizon? What are you working on now? What should people be tuning into on your feed um, for what's to come? So you mentioned I'm working with ButcherBox, which I absolutely love. Um, I love them. It's a fantastic company. Um, And I'm not just saying that because they're employing me. Like, they really are just great people. I actually got to work with them because I've interviewed the founder a couple of times for stories. I actually interviewed him for my book. Um, And so now I'm working with them. And so they've sent me all kinds of products to work with. And I seriously loved every single one. Like, the products are just 
fantastic, really top notch. Um, so I'm doing some recipe development for them and I'm doing some editing and writing for them, um, which has been great. And that's ongoing. So there'll be, there's stuff coming out. Um, you just mentioned the Philly cheesesteak skillet. There's more recipes like that coming out, um, in the weeks to come. So look out for that. Um, and you can use the recipes, whether or not you buy butcher box products. Um, but I do recommend their products. They're really amazing. I actually just had a butcher box steak for lunch. (laughs) Mm. Um, yeah, but they do a lot more than red meat too. They do. I mean, they do tons of like wild caught fish and, um, they have poultry and just beautiful, like some prepared foods, like really fantastic. Um, so there's that. And, um, I write for sleep.com also, which I really enjoy. Um, and I'm um, doing more product reviews for Food Network um, and my book, which the book came out in 2022. But I feel like it came out at a time when everybody was talking about plant based and really nobody was talking about meat. So it kind of got I feel like it almost got sort of just like skipped over. But it seems like now more and more people are recognizing the benefits of animal protein in their diets. Um, so I hope that, you know, I hope the book will kind of enjoy a renaissance. And it's not me telling people to eat meat if they don't want to. That's not my business. Um, but I do, I, my co-author Ashley Van Houten and I have encountered a lot of people, especially women who say things like, well, you know, I know I'm not supposed to eat meat, but like during my period, I really crave a burger and they almost feel like sheepish or guilty about it. And so for people like that, who really, their bodies are telling them to eat more meat and they want to, but they feel like they're not supposed to, um, I really feel like Carnivorish is is a good book for people like that to help you understand why it's good for you, um, why it's not bad for the environment, um, and then all these you know different ways to enjoy it that you may not have you know you may not have thought of before. Sounds like a good stocking stuffer. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Beth, for joining us today. And everybody, you can follow Beth's feed, Beth Lipton. Beth, what's your Instagram handle? Um, It's cookiepie0402. Fantastic. Well, we loved having you, and I cannot wait to just get started with all of your recipes. They are really approachable, easy, and um, really so tempting. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 